what a what a blessing to uh, to be able to assemble to worship a great God, the great God, the only God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and what a what an honor it is to be here today to be with you uh, in worship of our great God. We're thankful you're here, both members and visitors alike, those who are online, those who are here uh, present. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. O masterful and merciful God in heaven, hallowed be your great and awesome name. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and thank you so very much for this moment, for this very hour, Lord God, when the world is busy, there's so much going on, but you've blessed us with this moment to be able to to focus our minds and our energy on you. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us, and thank you for your great presence. Thank you for sending your great son, Jesus, to die on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. Thank you for that amazing sacrifice that's made in our behalf, that he laid his life down for us, that he took on all the pain and agony and suffering that we may live. Thank you. These things we pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, should be your will. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, the angel of the Lord. Let's continue. We're talking about the activity of Jesus in in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, more so. And this topic is one is you know of much discussion, uh, and I'm just today looking forward to the opportunity to remind you of things that you already that you already know. The word "angelos" in the Greek simply means angel. It's someone sent over a great distance by an individual, and in the same word "malak" in the Hebrew is, is the same idea. It's, it's "angelos" and "malak" are pretty much the exact same word, or they have the same definition, should we say. It's a, a messenger, someone that is sent over a great distance. We know that angels are supernatural um, beings, if you will, created by our great God. They bring a message to us. They've brought messages in the past to humans. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And so angels are servants of God who who serve God for the sake of humanity. Chapter 13 of Hebrews, verses 1 and verse 2. Sometimes you can identify the angel, right? Uh, other times, you don't even know it's an angel, a messenger from God. Verse 1 says, Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by some having entertained angels without knowing it. And so, a messenger. So it could be a supernatural uh, being, or it could be even a human being, a person who comes your way as a messenger from God. But we're talking about the supernatural uh, at this moment. So though angels, this is what we know, are beings and they have an exalted rank and you'll have like the archangel. It is very clear in the Bible 
that angels are not to ever be worshipped. It is forbidden to worship an angel. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. Again, they are ministering spirits created by our God. Hebrews 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And so the angels worship God, but angels are never to be worshipped. We have two examples. Revelation chapter 19. As the messenger brought this message to John, in Revelation 19, in verse 9, John being so overwhelmed, the Bible says, He said to me, Right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These words are true words of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Also, Revelation chapter 22, the verses 8 and the verse 9. And I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Alright. So that's clear. There's a significant difference when it comes to the angel of the Lord. Now, not every time that you read angel of the Lord is it going to refer to Jesus. But I want to show you some definite times that it does refer to Christ. The idea in this, this lesson and these, these lessons I've been bringing lately is to put Jesus if you will, higher in your mind so that we have this amazing reverence for him because Jesus is Lord. The angel of the Lord accepts worship. That's forbidden, of course, if he were just an angel. But he's not an angel. He's a messenger who brings forth a message to humanity. Not only that, the angel of the Lord proclaims to have the power of God. The authority of God. He forgives sins. He reveals the future. He judges whether to save or to destroy. The angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. When you go back into the Hebrew and you read malach, again the word angel, but the difference is this time when you read the word malach, you have the word Yahweh at the end of it, or Elohim. And so when you have malach, Yahweh, that's the angel of the Lord. It's a reference to God himself. There are a few passages that will have that idea, if you will. Malach Yahweh, also Malach Elohim. And we're going to look at those passages uh, this morning in just a moment. The phrase is always used in the singular when you read it. And you'll find that, that the angel of the Lord, if you read it in the Bible, in ancient days they called it a theophanies. And a theophanies, by way of definition, is a manifestation or appearance of God to man in the form of an angel or man in order to speak, act, visible, and audibly to man to provide them some revelation and or guidance. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 22. And I want to just kind of uh, 
we're not we're not necessarily doing exegesis, but we're going to just dissect it in regards to the thought, trying to understand the angel of the Lord. So we'll begin with this great and amazing uh, promise and activity of God with Abraham. Genesis 22, beginning of verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Question, who tested Abraham? God. Verse 2. And he, God, said, Take now your son, your only son, in whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, you know the rest of the account. He's about maybe 13 years old or so, and Abraham and Isaac are going to the top of the mountain, and, and Isaac recognizes that, you know, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the lamb? And I want to jump all the way down to verse 9 to keep our, our minds focused on who's speaking. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your only son from me. The angel of the Lord declaring himself as God. Verse 12. And he said, Again, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing against him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Down to verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So who's speaking? So we see this interchanging of the idea of the angel of the Lord and God himself. Notice in verse 16, and he said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. So why does the angel of the Lord swear by himself? Well, turn over to Hebrews uh, chapter 6 and let's grab verse 13 for an explanation of why God swears by himself. Exodus 6 and verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And so we have the deity of Jesus, right? We have God. Again, when you're looking in the Bible, remember 
that Jesus is revealed to us as a son so that we would understand relationship. The relationship of what it means to be a father and to sacrifice your son. That's why he's revealed to us in that way. And that's the only reason he's revealed to us in that way. Not that he's the father and then you have the son and then you have the Holy Spirit. There's God, God, God. People need to know this. I mean, you know it. But we've got to go remind the world and teach them so they will stop dishonoring Jesus. Look at Genesis 28. That one's easy. Genesis 28. And I want to just look at these passages and think about these passages over and over again. Let's look at Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, now we jump down to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. Let's look at verse 10. Again, we are looking at Malach Yahweh or Malach Elohim, the angel of the Lord. Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob, verse 10. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. We read this last week, remember? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. And what did Jesus say about that? I want to go a little deeper, but let's just go back to John 1 to review again. Verse 51. John chapter 1. In verse 51, just to review, this is what Jesus had to say about that specific incident that happened in the life of Jacob. John 1 and verse 51, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on whom? On the Son of Man, on Jesus, right? Now remember, we just read where he said, you'll see him descending on God. The angels were descending on God. Here, they're descending on the Son of Man, who is God, Jesus. But now let's take it another step. Go to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28. And let's use these building blocks to carry us to a a deeper understanding of, uh, or remind us, should I say, uh, of things in, in a deeper way so that we might grow in our faith toward the Lord. Genesis 28 and verse 16. Let's begin there. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place. This is really important. Bethel. Remember that. Keep that in your head. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously, the name of the city had been called Luz. Keep that in your name, in your head. So Bethel and Luz. Bethel and Luz. Got it, Lord. Thank you. That's very important. Skip all the way to chapter 31. Genesis 31. Let's start at verse, uh, verse 11. Then the angel of God, the angel of God, Yahweh, said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. 
And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating and striped, speckled, molted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. So notice the angel of God says, I am the God of what? I'm the God of Bethel. So we got the connection and we say, okay, so we know the angel of God, the angel of the Lord is Jesus. We got that. We got the connection. The connection is there for us to continue to grow. Well, let's take it another step. In case you, you say, well, maybe I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Go to Genesis 48. Genesis chapter 48, beginning at verse 1. I just truly believe that the, the more, when you, when you think about the cross and, um, and the centurion sees the way Jesus dies or the way Jesus breathes his last, and then he says, truly this was the Son of God. He had that amazing revelation at that moment and realized that he is like none other. He is God. Well, that's what we need to get when we read the scriptures. We've got to get the God piece of the message that God is trying to deliver to us. Genesis 48, beginning in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. And when it was told of Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. And then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Who was God Almighty in Luz? We read earlier in Genesis, the angel of the Lord. Get the message from God. Genesis 28. Just remind us. Genesis 28 in verse 19. The Bible says, And he called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Jesus Christ, like we discovered last week and we talked about last week, is not just there at the beginning. God said, let us make man in our image. And then he just disappeared until you get into the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the active God, if you will, in regards to humanity, seen over and over and over again, time and time again throughout the Scriptures. Why is it that so many times people struggle with that? They struggle with Jesus, the Christ, the Lord. Well, because we don't like listening to Jesus. Right? We don't like listening to Jesus. Because Jesus demands commitment. And he gave us an example so we can't, on Judgment Day, say, well, I didn't understand. No, you could watch him live his life. Jesus came and showed us what commitment and dedication to the Father really is. And so for that reason, it's like, well, wait a minute. If you put Jesus on the throne where he is, not that we would put him there, but he's on the throne. I have no excuse. And so when I stand before God and I say, Lord, I didn't understand what you meant when you said dedication and commitment. 
He'll say, did you not see my son? Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus chapter 3. I mentioned this in passing last week. A very familiar passage to you all. And I'm sure we all know that it's the angel of the Lord is Jesus who is speaking to Moses in the burning bush. So you got Abraham and you got Jacob and Moses, the great promise that's made by Jesus from the Father, from the Godhead. And let's keep in mind when we say Jesus, we can we can easily remember, remind ourselves of the Godhead, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I rarely I rarely ever say uh, Trinity. I really don't ever say that word. I just the Godhead. God, God, God. We serve an amazing God. Sometimes hard to understand. But he's revealed himself. He's manifested himself to us. If you want to know him, you got to read. You got to study and you got to dig. That's why it's so easy to be misled, led astray, because many Christians don't read the Bible. We don't read it. We listen. Sunday morning sermon, but then we don't touch the book again until Sunday morning. That's not what God calls dedication or commitment, right? Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush and looked and behold the bush was burning with fire and yet the bush was not consumed so Moses said I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight while the bush is not burned up and when the Lord saw that he turned and looked and who was in the bush the angel of the Lord so now the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look God called to him from the midst of the bush. Who's in the bush? The angel of the Lord. God. He called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of the taskmasters. For I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Who's talking again? The angel is speaking. It's very important. It's very important that we take the time to not only study the Scriptures, but to believe them. In verse 13, chapter 3, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, 
the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to you, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. And brother, if you don't think the Hebrews understood this name, the Jews understood this name, when you get to John chapter 8, and you begin reading as, as Jesus is preaching and teaching, and when Jesus declares himself as God, the great I am, they become highly offended. But Jesus understood and knew exactly what he was saying. I spoke to them back then. I am God. Did they get it? Do we get it? I wonder if we get it. John 8 and verse 57. The Jews therefore said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, what does he refer to? <laughs> I Therefore, they picked up stones. Why? To throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You think they got it? Yeah, they got the message. They were highly offended. I'm just amazed when I, when I think about, uh, turn to Revelation, please, chapter 1. I think about people who you know, are willing to, to start a religion. Or willing, you know, and, and, and call themselves something great, or or when 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 people, um, you know, I hate to say it this way, but dumb Jesus down to be just like just just a nothing, you know. When, I, I know the Bible. The Bible says he, you know, he's our brother. I, I get that, but don't lose your reverence. <laughs> don't lose your reverence for who Jesus is, right? Remember, God manifested Himself for us, but don't lose your reverence as to who Jesus is. And yet the world has lost their reverence. They've lost the awe. There's very little respect. Hollywood has taken his name over. Songs, whatever you call the artists who sing songs, have taken his name over. People have taken his name over. We just and basically belittled his name with just a curse word. Because you don't know who he is. If it doesn't bother you, if it doesn't offend you, it doesn't cause the hairs of your neck to stand up. You don't know who he is. That's what's important. And that's the power of the scriptures. He is the great I am. In Revelation 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus says that about himself. Do we Revere him as the Almighty God. In Acts chapter 7, Acts 7 in verse, the verse 30, as Stephen is uh, bringing to this, this powerful message, an overview or a summary of the entire Old Testament, 
In Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 30, he recounts that, 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 that incident with Moses in the burning bush. And he says, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. And when Moses saw it, he began to marvel at the sight and he approached to look more closely and there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses shook with fear and would not even venture to look. He shook with fear in the presence of the Lord. Oh, we don't have to because he's our friend, right? We don't have to have that kind of fear. Not of God because, well, because we're righteous, right? How much fear do you have of God? Oh, oh I know there's the healthy fear. There's that respect. And we have, we have to have that. But then there's the other side as well. How many of you are going to stand before God boastful and haughty and say, I know you, I know you're going to save me, Lord, because look at me, I'm the, or are you going to fall on your knees before the Lord in fear? Brethren, we've got to have that fear, that amazing respect and that awe for God and the greatness of who God is. We are worshiping right now the almighty God in heaven. How many times have you you had your device and you and something a message comes through and you read it in worship. What are you doing in worship? How is your worship? This isn't watching a movie. This is worship. The worship not of a man, but of God, the Almighty. Oh, oh, what a, what a blessing it is that He's allowed us to enter into His, His resting place, if you will, into worship. Oh, what a blessing, what a gift. And you know what He says, John 14. You know what Jesus says? He says, it's something you gotta understand. If you wanna get to the Father, if you want to get to the Godhead, if you want to get to heaven, you cannot get there your own way. First, he comforts them. He comforts them. And he says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And so you say, yeah, see, Jesus prepared this place for me. And you read Acts 17, and God appointed a man, Jesus, to judge us on the last day. He prepared a place for a prepared people. Are you prepared to enter into that place? It's not just, we're not just a shoe in. Sometimes I know we, we get lost. We think, well, he's a baptized believer, so he's good to go. That's not how this works. You do know that, right? Just because you get baptized, I mean, it puts you in a safe state. Thank God for that. But you've got to be faithful, right? You have to be faithful to God. You can't just get baptized and walk away and say, okay, now all is good. No, that's not how this works. You must be faithful to God. 
until death. Oh, I know, he's a preacher. I don't want to hear that. I know. But that's what the Bible says. And there's only one way to get there. There's only one way to get into that prepared place. There's only one way to get there. And if you haven't read the way, if you're not reading what Jesus says, then how do you know the way? So verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So may I ask you, are you faithful to Jesus as Jesus has commanded you to be? Am I faithful to Jesus as Jesus commanded me? Not, not, I don't need to look over at my brother and say, well, you know, my brother, he's, you know, my sister, she's, I mean, I'm a little more faithful than she is. No, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Are you faithful to God as Jesus commands you to be? What a great question. I'm going to leave you with that question. Jesus is Lord. And, and knowing that he's Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's our opportunity today. You know what he says? He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If there's something in your life today that you need to make right with God, today's the day. Now is the time of salvation. Today's the day. Today, if you're not a Christian, today the invitation is yours to hear his word and believe it and, and to have godly sorrow in your heart, repentance, to confess his name before men, be baptized, immersed in water, and then stay faithful until death. This is your day. This is our day. Thank you, God. Another day. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song.